In this episode of Ottawa Business Journal's Behind the Headlines, Big Changes at one of Ottawa's dot-com darlings, we continue our discussion about the legal risks when employees work from home, and we also talk to Ottawa's international airport to determine whether air travel is grounded or taking off. All this and more coming up right now. Behind the Headlines is brought to you by Nelligan Law, Ottawa's fierce, proven, and human law firm. Visit them at nelliganlaw.ca. Hello and welcome to Behind the Headlines for the week of October 11th, 2021. I'm Michael Kern from the Ottawa Business Journal. Behind the Headlines is a regular podcast from OBJ to explore the biggest local business news headlines. And as usual, we've got three great uh, episodes uh, or segments, I should say, lined up for you today. First off, we'll start with my colleague from the Ottawa Business Journal, David Solly. He'll be talking about a really intriguing technology story. Second, we'll talk to a legal expert from Nelligan about how your company can mitigate the risks if your employees are working from home. And we're going to end off with our newsmaker segment, talking to an executive from Ottawa International Airport to be to figure out what's happening there. It's been such a challenging time, of course, for the airline industry, and that includes our local uh, airport. But let's kick things off with segment one. And my good friend from the Ottawa Business Journal, here is Dave Solly. Hey, Mike. There he is. So how are you doing, Dave? Good? Pretty good. How are you? Good, good. Good. Uh, listen, we're going to start off with a story I think is quite fascinating. It is a, a complex story, as you know, Dave. There's there's lots of layers to this, uh, and lots of details. Partially because it's a it involves a transact a business transaction of a, a fairly substantial amount, but um, but also there's some personal stuff layered into here. We're going to focus on the transactional part. Uh, Dave. So the story involves Ruckify, who, as I said uh, earlier, is a, I call them a, a dot-com darling of Ottawa because, you know, it's very well known and it's uh, one of its founders, Steve Cody, and also Bruce Linton are two people quite well known. So Absolutely. Ruckify has been uh, in the news for years. It's It's been thought of as a very promising local technology company, but there's some big changes uh, last week. Tell us about what happened. Well, absolutely, Mike. As you say, uh, you know, Ruckify has been making uh, making a lot of noise for a while now. It's been around for about four years now. It's an online platform. It's uh, where where um, where basically people post items that they want to rent rent out. Say you've got a rototiller, a lawnmower, uh, an axe, uh, a canoe, anything that you want to rent. Well, it connects uh, renters and um, um, with uh, with the owners much like you know, Kijiji connects buyers and sellers. So um, it, uh, it, it burst on the scene actually a few years ago and it got some uh, pretty big name investors. Thanks you know, in large part to uh, you know, the, uh, the Bruce effect as uh, Steve Cody often called it. When Bruce Linton is involved in something, um, well, big names tend to follow. And uh, so yeah, so it got, uh, uh, it got some invest some big investors uh for instance Brett Wilson from uh, Dragon's Den fame many people would would know him from that a former dragon as well as uh, Joe Fresh founder another fellow dragon Joe Mimron uh they both invested in the company along with many other uh big names uh and Ruckfy raised close to 20 million bucks uh to get his platform off the ground it made some acquisitions it bought an RV sharing company for example a couple of years ago well 
you know, things uh, as often are the case, uh, Micah, things don't always necessarily follow a, a straight upward hockey stick sort of path when you're um, when you're building a startup uh, in in a new kind of space. And that was the case with Rockify. Um, it ended up burning through uh, most of that money. Uh, and um, by the middle of this year, by the summer, it was basically out of cash. Um, and so Bruce Linton has, um, he's taken over the company. And, uh, and last week he announced it's, um, it's merging, uh, or actually, sorry, early, uh, yeah, the, um, uh, just a few days ago announced that it, it's going to be merging with a UK company uh, called Fat Llama, which, um, which does something fairly similar. It's based in London. It's also a peer-to-peer -peer rental site, um, but it's, uh, it's actually kind of hit on apparently a winning formula. It's making money. Uh, it, um, it charges a, um, it has a, a little bit of a different, um, formula for charging, uh, um, renters and owners, and that it charges a flat fee, uh, no matter what the size of the transaction, a minimum fee, as opposed to Ruckify, which took a percentage, um, and other, it, it's got other, um, uh, uh, other basically operational efficiencies in its operating platform and its base technology. Uh, that Linton thinks is going to kind of position uh, the the merged company, the combined company, with a with kind of a, a new sort of um, a, a, a stronger foundation. Let's put it that way for success. Um, so in fact, uh, Fat Llama's uh, shareholders will end up having a seventy five percent stake in the combined company, uh, and. Um, you know, it's not uh, even um, even Linton conceded that's not ideal. But under the circumstances, he said he felt that this that this transaction was basically giving Ruckify its best chance for success. Um, you know, he said the company just uh, just didn't quite uh, have its um, uh, the un, uh, you know the technology that underpinned the platform wasn't as efficient as it should have been. Uh, there were, he said, he felt some other problems with his business model. Uh, of course, um, as many readers might know, there was a, uh, a fairly well-publicized fraud case that came to light earlier this year where a former employee had embezzled money. Um, so that kind of was a wake-up call, Linton said, uh, for him to get more involved. And, uh, and so he's really hoping that this can kind of, uh, kind of kickstart uh, Rockify and, uh, and get it back on the path to growth. Um, I mean, it is... It does already have a fairly extensive footprint. It's in, um, it's in, you know, um, at least a couple of dozen cities right now uh, in North America, and um, and uh, and you know, you know, has customers um, in Canada and the U.S. Um, so I mean, um, it's uh, there would seem to be, uh, hopefully, Mike, a uh, you know, a strong foundation there, and that maybe um, with the with the help of, with the know-how of, of this UK company that that seems to have kind of figured things out um, on the uh, rental marketplace front, that um, that that maybe Ruckify, uh, you know, still can live up to that promise as that uh, as that peer-to-peer -peer rental sort of darling, as you as you put it. Yeah, it's you know, it's there's a there's a fascinating uh, report by the way. Uh, a little bit of a drama in this, of course, because Linton had to step back into the company and and uh, find what he believes is the is the solution. It's not too surprising, in a sense, they ended up here because they're they are in a very new space. You know, they're they're kind of creating this rent anything economy, 
And that means there's lots of business issues to be uh, to figure it out, including, you know, what what the monetary um, uh, what the business plan is, how, how to monetize all of that. And as you said, this fat llama seems to have uh, settled on kind of a minimum transaction is um, so not an unusual story, you know, when someone's trying to innovate in the space and that they would have to take a shift and switch platforms. Um, are they looking to go public too? Is is did I read that? Yes, that's uh, that's correct, Mike. Sorry, okay. didn't mention that. They are also part of the deal. Is also uh, in uh, uh, it is um, it's got, can contingent on the merger, and if that's approved, then the company, the combined company, will be going public uh, by a reverse takeover. Yeah. Um, they've already got um, uh, a deal with a capital pool company called uh, Yuba Capital Corp that trades on the TSX Venture Exchange. Um, so when that, uh, once the merger, uh, happens, then it is expected that very soon after that, uh, it will, um, it will, the reverse takeover will, will go ahead and, uh, and Ruckify will become a public company. So, you know, certainly not to, we'll wrap up here in a second, certainly not the, uh, end of the story. I mean, I might, I might suggest that this is the end of chapter one of Ruckify and the beginning of chapter two. And. And bright days might still be ahead. You know that has uh, still some lots of business challenges, like every single uh, technology company out there. But we'll have to keep on watching it, right, Dave? Right, exactly. And uh, and the other thing to note is that it's kind of the end of Ruckify in a sense, and that they're kind of retiring the Ruckify name as part of this deal as well. So it will now, if you go to if you click on Ruckify dot um, it will automatically redirect you now to Fat Llama. So All right. Yeah. So. Well, what fat llama it is. Uh, <laughs> listen, Dave, thanks for the great reporting. Uh, appreciate uh, all your hard work on this. And uh, we'll see you soon. See you soon, Link. It's now time to consult with our legal expert from Nelligan Law. Today is part two of my discussion with Jim Anstey from the firm's employment and labor law practice. Please welcome Jim Anstey. Welcome, Jim. Hi, Michael. So the last time we talked, we were speaking about uh, a particular risk that employers might face if they have uh, employees who are working from home for an extended period of time. Uh, just in a nutshell, help us define what that risk is. And then we're going to spend most of this uh, interview, the second part or two-part interview, we're going to spend most of this interview talking about how to mitigate the risk. But let's just return to what the legal risk is from long-term work from home. Yeah, I mean, the main issue is uh, you don't address employees working from home um, before the pandemic ends or shortly thereafter. Uh, and these employees continue working from home for a period of time, whether it's six months or a year, um, after which time, you know, uh, these employees could argue uh, that working from home is, you know, ingrained in their uh, employment contract, which is going to lead to practical and legal uh, problems for employers you know, who want to, um, you know, bring employees back or, or, or change the work from home um, policy in a, in a way that uh, the employees don't like. Excellent. So uh, once again, if an employee works from home for an extended period of time, that employee might start arguing that this is the normal state of my working, uh, of my, of our work agreement. And uh, sorry, Mr. and Mrs. Employer, I'm not going back to a physical office. I'm working from home. So you got it. I, I mean, I, I think, um, you know, uh, during the pandemic, the courts will look at this as being a, an exceptional situation, but it's when the pandemic is over 
and uh, you know we're, we're kind of back to normal allowing these employees to continue working from home without addressing the issue early on uh, that's that's the risk got it so let's talk about how to mitigate that risk so we understand it's a real risk where employees might be hesitant and make sort all sorts of arguments to be uh, to to prevent them from coming back to the office. So, how can employers help prevent that problem from uh, from happening? Well, regardless of what the work from home policy looks like, so some employers, uh, not very many, but some want older employees to come back eventually. Um, other employers are going to have a very flexible policy. You know, if employees want to work from home most of the time. That's fine. Um, and then others have employees who you know. Uh, who will be working home predominantly and only come into the office um, on rare occasions. So for all of those people, all of those workplaces, uh, regardless of what their uh, philosophy is on work from home, you need to have a, a policy in place. Um, you know, the, the policy should cover all the, uh, you know, concerns that employers might have. It should cover their philosophy. So is, is it going to be more restrictive or more flexible? Um, for an employer, you're going to want to make sure there's um, the ability to, uh, you know, make changes down the road if the work from home uh, situation is not working out generally or for a specific uh, employee. Um, you're going to want to address the employee's availability uh, to come to the office on short notice or to go to visit a client site. Um, you know, you might want to address um, responsiveness. So, you know, a certain amount of time within which employees, you know, barring them being on a lunch break or after hours, uh, you know, the time within which they have to respond to an email or, or, or a phone call. Um, and then there are there are some more practical things uh, you might want to address, you know, who's going to pay for any costs involved for employees working from home. Um, you know, I would say uh, if you look at the uh, the organization's electronic devices and network access uh, policy, they kind of go hand in hand with this remote work policy in a sense. So um, that's something they might want to update as well. Wow, there's a there's a lot. I mean, holy cow, Jim, you just you just hit a lot of issues there. Um, and I'm going to go back to one of them. So what I heard is if you want to mitigate this, you should have uh, an employee policy. So maybe that's like in an employee handbook or something like that. Um, if it was a new employee, um, I guess you'd want to make sure that in the empl actual employment contract that you define some flexibility or whatever the employer preference is in that employment contract. Do I do I have that right? Exactly. So for new employees, especially new employees coming on during the pandemic, uh, you do it, it would be helpful uh, for the employer and reduce risk um, of you know a, a miscommunication or a misunderstanding with respect to you know whether work from home is a uh, you know, a, a permanent uh, situation uh, or whether things are going to change down the road. So we recommend to our clients that for new employees, especially during the pandemic, there should be provision that references the uh, remote work policy. Listen, Jim, uh, I, I think this is one of the reasons this discussion demonstrates why people should be phoning lawyers like like the great people at Nelligan Law, because, you know, even if I get go back to the other issue, the other point you made around uh, IT security, um, uh, uh, maybe confidential items in someone's home, uh, expenses for, for work from home, home offices. I, I mean, these are real issues that are going to come up and become an irritant in the relationship. So I completely get why they're going to need uh, expert from someone like you, Jim. So thank you very much for 
you know, starting to explore this. And once again, if anyone has any questions, I'd, I'd encourage them to contact you, Jim. Thank you, Michael. Have a great day, Jim. Thanks as always for joining us. We appreciate it. Good day. Bye-bye. And thanks to Nelligan Law for its ongoing support of this uh, podcast. Well, it's time for our third and final segment, our Newsmaker Interview. And this time we're talking about air travel in Ottawa's International Airport. Please welcome to the show Krista Keeley, the VP of Communications and Public Affairs at Ottawa International Airport Authority. Well, that's a mouthful, Krista. That sure is. <laughs> How are you doing? I, and I ask that question sincerely because you're working in one of these very hard hit industries. Uh, very, very hard hit industry, but um, things are starting to look a lot brighter and uh, we're really looking forward to welcoming even more passengers back as uh, as the next few months uh, pass by. That's great, Krista. And maybe that's a natural place to start then. So, you know, we're back to the uh, hopefully a busy fall season, a little bit of a return to normalcy. What are things looking like uh, at Ottawa International Airport in terms of air travel, flights, so on and so forth? Well, um, as I mentioned, things are starting to pick up. Um, we had a good September. There's a lot of pent up travel demand. And so um, we had about 125,000 passengers um, who uh, traveled through. And so we're ticking up towards um, the million passenger mark by the end of the year. That's what we're really hoping to achieve. So obviously very, very different than things used to be pre-pandemic when we were serving more than 5 million passengers. Um, and it's going to take us some time to get back there, but at least we're on the right trajectory towards that. So, so if I heard those numbers correctly, you're, the airport's kind of anticipating maybe 20% of the normal traffic uh, in this calendar year? Um, if you look at it month over month, every okay. month gets a little bit better. Um, so towards the end of the year, it would be overall about uh, 20%. But um, again, as, as each month goes on and things get better, uh, month over month, we're at about, uh, or sorry, year over year, we're at about 50% for the month of September. Okay. I wanted to ask about uh, vac mandatory vaccine uh, policy mm -hmm. as it relates to air travel. Of course, we had an announcement uh, about that just a few days ago. How do you think that will impact uh, on the airport's operations or, or, or flights, uh, Krista? Well, we've really felt that uh, vaccination is the way out of the pandemic um, since very early days. And so we um, definitely encouraged our employees to get vaccinated. And when the federal government made the announcement that they would be mandatory, we were actually quite pleased. So uh, we put a policy in place for mandatory vaccinations for our employees. We've also asked our tenants and um, partners on the campus to do the same and to demonstrate to us that they have that, um, that similar um, vaccination policy. And uh, we've also asked our contractors who have staff coming onto airport property to um, also uh, mandate vaccines for their employees. So um, it's uh, it's very, very important. And um, it's, it's not only important for passenger safety, but it's important for our employee safety as well, and that of our, uh, our tenants and our, our partners. Good, good answer, by the way. I was asking it more from the airport, but I should have said, you know, the, the airport authority and, and the people that work there are federally uh, incorporated, if that's the right word, regulated industries. So, of course, it's not simply the visitors, people getting on planes. It's everyone at the airport that needs to get vaccinated, as you said. 
That's correct. And, um, and again, we're, we're very pleased that um, there seems to be a lot of support for that. And, um, and we're really looking forward to, uh, to knowing that everybody that is coming into the airport and getting on those planes are vaccinated. Um, one of the uh, things that I think the airport's doing that's kind of interesting to entice people uh, back to flying is, um, is $1 a day parking. That seems like a, a novel idea. Tell, tell us how that works, Krista. Well, we, we really want to make sure that people are keeping YOW in their travel plans. And, uh, and part of the way that we're doing that is making sure that they, um, that they fly from Ottawa. So our old slogan from many years back of Fly Ottawa First is even more important now. So what we've done is put a, a plan in place to um, provide dollar a day parking for those who book their parking online. So uh, YOW.ca has the links. Um, it's for travel um, to the end of the year. So you can book now for travel up to the end of 2021. So everybody who's planning their holiday travel and, and uh, escaping the winter that is sure to come can can benefit if they if they book online. So that's, YW.ca. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, well, I'll have to check that out myself. I'm <laughs> flying out in in just a few weeks. Uh, and before we wrap up, I wanted to uh, get your uh, input and update on a story that OBJ reported on just a few years, uh, you, days ago, I should say. <laughs> Canada's uh, hard-hit uh, aviation industry is coming back, as we said, and part of that is a new flight from Air Canada, uh, which will start a route between uh, Billy Bishop uh, uh, Toronto City Airport at, and uh, Ottawa at the end of the month. Tell us a few of those details, Krista. Yeah, that was a was a nice surprise from Air Canada when they announced uh, last week that they were going to be serving this route. So uh, they're starting with four flights a day, and uh, their plan is to build uh, next summer to eight flights a day. So that service um, they once provided, um, I believe it ended in two thousand and six, and and so this is a, a return to that service for Air Canada and uh, and another travel option for uh, people who need to try uh, to travel to Toronto. Um, I know business travel isn't back to where it was, but I know that's a very important route for, for Ottawa's business travelers who are tra heading to uh, Toronto. So exciting to have the, the Canada's capital city and, and uh, Ontario's capital city connected uh, with another option and um, looking forward to uh, just seeing passengers enjoy that route. That's great. I agree hundred percent A very popular uh, route for business people helps you get down to get to those downtown meetings uh, much faster. Krista, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate you being here with us. It's my pleasure. Take good care. Bye-bye. Bye. And before we let things uh, let you go, let me tell you what's happening with uh, OBJ. First of all, our fall news magazine is uh, on the racks now. It's our CEO of the year cover in preparation uh, for the lead up for the Best Ottawa Business Awards. Also lots of features, uh, great features, uh, including our HR uh, update, which focuses on our best places to work. Also a great feature from uh, the Royal Ottawa Hospital, uh, catching up on some of the mental health programs happening uh, in our city. And also uh, Techopia. We have our Techopia quarterly report. That brings us to the end of today's episode. Reminder that this podcast can be heard or watched. If you're watching us, YouTube is the right channel to be on. If you're on YouTube, by the way, uh, be sure to like the video, uh, share it, click the little bell so you get notifications on uh, on future broadcasts. Also, you can listen to this podcast on all major podcast platforms such as Spotify, Apple, SoundCloud, Google, so on and so forth. If you are a hardcore uh, local business news junkie, 
Uh, I encourage you to visit obj.ca throughout the day for the very latest in news headlines. And if you never want to miss a story, what you do is you uh, go to obj.ca and sign up for our OBJ Today email newsletter that goes out Monday to Friday towards the end of the day. It's a full roundup of the day in business. It's a great and quick way to stay connected to the local business scene. So that's all the time we have for today. I'm Michael Curran on behalf of my colleagues at the Ottawa Business Journal. Thank you very much to our guests. Hope to see you real soon. Bye-bye.